I guess we'll start then. I guess yes. we'll start. Hello, everyone. I am Kimberly Adams. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. I'm Kai Riznal. It is a Monday. We're going to do the huge, which is, if you're new to the podcast, it's news and then uh, make me smile or two, uh, and then we will um, set you on your merry way. So, Ms. Adams, let us begin with the news. You go first. Yes, this is, you know, news is supposed to be new. This isn't exactly new, but it's a good analysis of it. But it's an ongoing issue. I know, really selling it, aren't I? This is an ongoing <laughs> issue that gets, is being highlighted in the Washington Post. Hat tip to our editor, uh, editor Stephanie Seek, uh, here at Marketplace, who put this in Slack today. And the headline is, Seniors are stuck home alone as health aides flee for higher paying jobs. And it's chocked full of numbers, but the gist of it is there are a lot of people getting older and needing help at home, many of whom don't want to go to nursing homes um, because COVID scared everyone, but also they want to age in place in their own homes. And they built up all of these systems to allow themselves to age in place. And there are not mm -hmm. enough, not nearly enough home health care workers to provide the need. And so waiting lists are months and months long, if you can yeah. even get um, home health care support. And it's one of these things that up until recently, money could fix it. You know, if you had enough money, yep. you probably weren't going to feel this problem very keenly. Lower income people were definitely feeling it. And that work almost always falls to daughters uh, as opposed to sons. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. a certain segment of the population could kind of forget that this was happening. But now the shortage is so bad that it kind of doesn't matter how much money you have. It's still going to be extraordinarily hard to find home health care and support for your aging loved one or if you have a loved one with disabilities, uh, severe disabilities who needs help. And it's interesting because people are really running into this. It means all these people who plan to age in place are really going to struggle to do so and may having may end up having to go to an assisted living facility when they didn't plan mm -hmm. to, the wages in this industry are extraordinarily low. And if so, you remember so back when the build, Democrats were pushing the Build Back Better plan, there was something like 400 million, I think, or was it billion? It probably was million. Something That's like 400. Million, right? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was something like $400 million to boost wages for home health care workers, basically to boost the, yeah, Nope. Uh-uh. So I'm reading this in the Washington Post article. Okay. The Biden okay. administration in 2021 sought $400 billion in new spending for home and community-based care channeled through Medicaid to states. So basically what wow. that would have done was boost the Medicaid re uh, Medicare or Medicaid reimbursement rates for home health care yeah. workers to allow these companies to pay their workers more because a lot of these jobs are like minimum wage jobs in many places and it's very hard work it requires a degree often you have to be i think at least an lpn usually and you're moving people you're helping them you know go to the bathroom you're bathing them and it's very hard work for very little money and people are basically like, why would I do this when I can make more yeah. money working in an Amazon warehouse and not have to yeah. clean up after someone? So it is an ongoing crisis. Uh, we had a chance to deal with it, but we didn't, or at least start to address it. But if you are planning to age in place or if you have a loved one that you anticipate is going to need care, uh, start making those plans now because it's going to be a challenge. 
Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Sorry, I was just thinking of my mom. Huh. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. 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 Way right. to start. Uh, okay. You go ahead. Yeah, right. Uh, so here are my two. It's kind of one and a half. One's a data point, uh, although important. And the other one is is uh, existential, really, for the people uh, on Puerto Rico. So Puerto Rico is still recovering uh, from Hurricane Fiona. It's going to be weeks, months, conceivably years before uh, things are back to even where they were. Uh, before the storm hit, as we know, Puerto Rico has been um, uh, challenged, shall we say, in recuperating for a whole lot of structural, political, and uh, and also... And here comes my point, logistical reasons. So there is a ship waiting off Puerto Rico now loaded with diesel fuel, which Puerto Rico really needs to fire generators because their power grid is down. The problem is that that ship is a foreign flagged ship, which has come from Texas. And there is a law on the books in the United States called the Jones Act, which dates from 1920, which says, and I will read uh, from the article here in NBC News, but you can find this anywhere. Jones Act, otherwise known as the Merchant Marine Act of 1920, requires that goods shipped between American ports, and remember this one came from uh, Texas and it's going to uh, Puerto Rico, which is an American port. Um, Those ships must be, right? Hang on a minute, scrolling, scrolling. Uh, must be carried exclusively, cargo must be carried exclusively by ships built primarily in the United States and have U.S. citizens as its owners and crews. And that has done catastrophic damage to relief for specifically Puerto Rico, but way all kinds of other incidents. It's a hundred-year-old law that does not acknowledge, acknowledge the realities of global trade today, the withering of the American maritime shipping force, right, which we just don't build ships like we used to, and global trade is a thing, and others can do it cheaper and get us ships and get us cargo and get us the goods we want for not as much money as it would cost if it hadn't been for the Jones Act. So read up on the Jones Act. It's important. And it really, it does sort of have life and death consequences now uh, in Puerto Rico. It's, a, it's kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. There's, yeah. there's a whole reform, the, the Jones Act, abolish the Jones Act thing. Congress, of course, sorry to get on my hobby horse here, will do nothing about it because of the shipping lobby. But, um, but it's a big yeah. deal. It's a big deal. I'll point to another Washington Post article that I saw uh, over the weekend where it looks at population changes in American territories. Mm -hmm. While population is growing in many states, pretty much all of the U.S. territories are losing population at an extraordinary rate. So you're talking U.S. Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, American Samoa, Guam, Northern Marianas. U.S. Virgin Island has lost like 18% of its population Mm -hmm. from 2010 to 2020. Puerto Rico, more than 11%. And these numbers are are really, you know, harsh, but it reflects a lot of what you're talking about, of how difficult it is to get development in these parts of the U.S. that have these restrictions, but don't necessarily have the kind of economic support that states do, uh, you know, on the mainland. Yep, totally. Uh, here's my other one. It's a demographic data point. It comes from uh, the good people at Pew Research Center out with some new research today talking about women in the labor force in the post-pandemic economy. We talked about them a lot, these women having left the labor force in the pandemic. Because, And let's be clear here, we're not past the pandemic. That's not what I'm saying. But women uh, left or were forced out of the labor force in the pandemic because they had to care for people. They had to care for children. They had to care for the parents. And as Kimberly said a minute ago, these duties fall almost exclusively to women, right? And we talked about that a lot. Molly and I did. So here's some data from uh, Pew 
showing that college-educated women have now largely returned to the labor force and, in point of fact, are now a larger share of the U.S. labor for- U.S. college-educated labor force than men are, right? So college-educated women are basically back. Here, though, is the nut graph. The upshot of these disparate changes in the labor force by gender and education is that women have increased their representation in the college-educated labor force since 2019. At the same time, there has not been much change in the gender composition of the labor force that has some college or less education. That is to say, women with some or no college education are still out of the labor force because they are still, my guess would be, performing those care duties, performing those home duties that, uh, as we have said, fall almost entirely to women. And I just think we all ought to be aware of that. Yeah. I mean, I was reading something else, which I can't remember where it was, about basically that daycare is now a luxury good because it has become... I think it was in Axios, actually, where... It's yep. so expensive now so expensive. that yeah. uh, it's to the point of being just unaffordable for so many people. And yep. again, you have yep. a relatively low wage workforce, yet the cost is so high. Yeah. All totally. right. Monday yeah. fun right, day. Come on. Let's go. All right, you go first. You grab my Jupiter thing, so you go first. Oh, my, mine's crazy. All right, so I'll go first super quick. So we're going to put this on the show page, and had I had more time today, I'd had uh, Marissa grab the audio from it. But on American Airlines flights, the last number of months, there has been weird, spooky noise, have been weird, spooky noises coming from uh, the intercom system. The crew doesn't know anything about it. The air, The flight deck crew doesn't know anything about it. It comes over the intercom, and it sounds... And, you know, protect your kids' ears because we're trying to maintain the e, the non-E here. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. either somebody in immense pain or somebody having relations, shall we say. Um, and it's just freaky. And so we're going to put uh, this article on the show page and you can listen to it for yourself. It's just really weird. American Airlines says they are investigating. Uh, it's just freaky. Just freaky. Yeah, it's it's weird. Very weird noise is noises. Um, You know what? I'm going to let you have Jupiter because I want to talk about Dart. No, go ahead. You you do Jupiter real quick. Just Okay. So tonight, if you have the opportunity and it's not cloudy, go look outside because Jupiter is super close uh, to the Earth tonight. It's going to be its closest opposition, as they call it, since 1963. And you're going to be able to see, like, the stripes on Jupiter with binoculars, basically, as opposed wow. to, like, a full-powered telescope. And one of the reasons that it's going to be particularly clear or and bright is because not only is it really close to the Earth, but it's exactly opposite uh, the the sun. So it's getting, like, the full sunlight hmm. hitting it while it's close to us. So you're going to get a really clear view of Jupiter tonight. And so if you get a chance, and, it, and supposedly, even with binoculars, you might be able to even see some of Jupiter's moons. So if you have a clear that sky and you can get out tonight, get out there and look. You should be able to see Jupiter with your naked eye, but you, if you have binoculars, or even better, if you've got a telescope, you should get some really nice views. That's cool. I just think that's super yes. cool. It is. And, you know, right. so we're you waiting, of course. 
Yes, because there's so much space and stuff that's exciting. So t- we are waiting at the time of this broadcast for the impact of the DART mission, where it's trying to crash a space vehicle into an asteroid to see if we can, you know, see if we can deflect it to avoid a, you know, Armageddon-type situation. Or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean the movie, not just... Not well, yes. also, yeah, yes. I guess actual Armageddon, too. Anyway, to make sure that we don't have like a dinosaur level wipe out the population of the Earth if an asteroid hits us. So, NASA is testing to see if they can knock an asteroid out of its orbit so that they can see if there was an asteroid coming our way, could they knock it out of orbit? So, that test is happening tonight. We'll probably be done by the time you hear this, and we'll have more to talk about it later. Did you see, by the way, wait, sorry, before we start the, mm-hmm. um, the, the next thing. Did you see the, um, oh my God, I can't even believe I, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, clicking, mm-hmm. I'm just clicking here. Okay, so uh, inside the uh, Office of the Director for National Intelligence, right, ODNI, the head uh, uh, intelligence person uh, in the United States, there is an office called the National Intelligence Manager for Aviation, right, okay. which integrates all the intelligence to safeguard the global aviation and air community, right, to include rockets and all that jazz. Their official okay. seal Right? It says, and I'm going to, I'll get this into Slack and it'll get on the show notes. Their official seal for the Office of Director of National Intelligence of the National Intelligence Manager for Aviation, right? NIM Aviation mm-hmm. has, uh, let's see, it looks like uh, some kind of 747, 737 thing, reconnaissance thing. It's got like an F 22. It's got some observation aircraft on it. And then it's got uh, another one. And then down in the bottom corner is a little flying saucer. Swear to God. Copy <laughs> Hang on a minute. Sharing to Slack. It is amaze balls. There's a little flying saucer. Hang on. Here it comes. Here it comes. Hey. This is like Slack in real. This is like Slack in real time. Okay. So you oh my gosh, it's we'll there, the and we're sure that yes, this is not a scam. It, no, no, no. It's like the thing. <laughs> it's the thing, and it's like the Jupiter two flying saucer. You know. Anyway, that's what it is. That's what it is. All right. That's my little space weirdness thing. Okay. So we will segue from that awkwardly into this. It is time for us to ask for your support. The economy, obviously, inflation right now, number one issue for voters in the upcoming midterms. This is what we do at Marketplace. We do the economy. We do tech. We do culture. We do business. We do all those things that can make you smart about what's in the news and what's in the news today and now and for the next number of months, dare say years, will be the economy and inflation. And we need your help to get there. Marketplace.org slash GiveSmart is how you can help us out. Right. And on the donation form, you'll be able to see that we have new hoodies, which are super cute. And we now we accept. And yes, we have hoodies. Wow. All right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just a talent, man. They're supposed to send you one, I think. No. All right. No? Okay. Well, you can have a hoodie if you like, people who are listening, because, and we now accept PayPal and Apple Pay if you're using Safari on an Apple device. And again, you can go to marketplace.org slash givesmart. We would really appreciate your support. If you feel like you've gotten a little bit smarter listening to the show, we'd be very grateful. And that is it for today. Tomorrow, we are going to do a deep dive on the intersection of politics and art and why big media companies and studios are getting a lot of pressure to conform to, shall we say, a certain kind of politics and what the reaction to the casting of certain characters in certain major movies and franchises might tell us about the country that we live in. 
And there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll be a good conversation. Yes. Adam Sherlock. I'm, I'm looking like, forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> Make Me Smart is produced by Marissa Cabrera. Today's program was engineered by Drew Jostad. Our senior producer is Bridget Bonner. The director of On Demand is Donna Tam. So there we go. There we go. That's How did group. you stumble upon this patch thing with a seal? I was on Twitter. I was on Twitter. I try not to be, but I was. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.